trust survive on frequent customers, not infrequent ones. And so if you've got people that are willing to come to your restaurant and willing to come back over and over, find a way to get their information so they can come back over and over and over and over. And then on top of that, after you get information, how do you use it? Because that's another problem in the restaurant space is it's kind of a double-edged sword is there's a lot of restaurants that have data that either aren't using it or aren't using it correctly. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Woolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. I'm your host, Stephen Toberoff, and it's been a minute since I've done a podcast. Very busy summer, a lot going on, but we're back with new episodes and I can't think of a better one to start off with than my guest. He's a repeat guest, but he's someone who's just come out with a brand new book called Restaurant Marketing That Works. And I think that the conversation we're about to have is going to be extremely important and valuable for everybody. So without any more delay, let me introduce my guest, Matt Plapp. Matt, how you doing, man? Thank you for coming back on the podcast. I'm doing amazing. I appreciate you having me back on. So for those of you that haven't listened to our prior interview, I would really recommend it. Matt went through a bunch of uh, terrific ideas that restaurants can use to enhance their marketing capabilities and really market in a way that works. So I don't want to repeat all that. I really want to begin by just sort of diving into this new book that came out. So Matt, would you tell us a little bit of, about this book, what prompted you to write it, and just give our audience a, a feel for what it's about? Yeah, so... What prompted me to write the book, I've written two other books on restaurant marketing. And when I looked back on them and talked to a lot of the readers and you know, especially operators that bought them, their comment was it was too technical, that the concepts I was talking about in those two books resonated with them, but how to execute them were too technical. And so that got me looking at what I consider the basics of marketing, attention, building the database, and then using the database. I call it ABR, attract, build, retain. And I, I kind of look at it as a cell phone. If you're looking at your cell phone signal and you've got five possible bars and you're at bar number two, well, you can't get to bar three, four, or five if you don't have the bars above them. You've got to climb the stairs to get your perfect signal, which we all fight for nowadays. Well, I look at restaurant marketing, any small business marketing, the same thing. A lot of restaurants aren't doing the basics correctly. The book title was originally Restaurant Marketing That Works Back to the Basics 101. We ended up changing it, I'll tell you why in a minute, to before, during, and after the pandemic as the subheadline. But my reasoning behind it was the fact that I felt a lot of restaurants weren't breaking down what they were doing at a basic enough level and focusing on the tactics that make it grow. Like an easy one item is that like 85% of the people that walk in a restaurant walk out and the restaurant does not have their information. And to me, that's just you know, an atrocity from a marketing standpoint that you got these people taking an effort to pass up other restaurants, whether they're walking or driving, make a decision to walk in your place, have the trust to give you their credit card, and you don't have a system in place to be able to identify them so that you can invite them back in the future. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Even on just a macro level, almost in any aspect of business or life, it's something I remind myself of often. We're often bombarded with all kinds of new technologies, new ways of doing things, new innovations. But the reality of the situation is that 
if we just look at what's in front of us and what's available and we really understand what we're trying to solve for, we have tools there already. And if we just maximize them, we'll probably get results that we couldn't have even imagined, even if we were utilizing the newest and latest, greatest thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, and, and that's what it is. I, I've got a tagline I've used a lot of times in, in speeches at different food shows that advertising's easy, marketing's hard. It's easy to boost a Facebook post. It's easy to give a check to the local direct mail company. It's easy to write a check to a sports team, to a radio station, to a TV station. What you put behind it is hard. You've got to sit down and have a plan that before you make a Facebook post, what's the goal of the Facebook post? What's the call to action? What's the outcome you want? And so when I look at a lot of the basics of marketing, what I cover in this book from the attention standpoint, you know, it's not having your QR codes in your restaurant go to a PDF of your menu. It's having to go to a, an actual menu page on your website. It's how to use social media at a level correctly. You know, I had a friend the other day called me up and said, hey, and they have a, a pretty big company. They said, hey, we want to get on TikTok. I said, why? Well, we've got to. I said, dude, you suck at Facebook. But he's not a restaurant. They're in a, a different part of the entertainment world. I said, your business is not that good at Facebook. Why would you want to be not that good at TikTok and not that good at Instagram and not that good at Snapchat? A buddy of mine told me one time he was calling it building half-built bridges. Imagine you go to build the Brooklyn Bridge and you only build it halfway across. What's that, the Hudson it crosses? Imagine if you build the Hudson halfway across and then you go build another bridge halfway across where none of them accomplish the goal of getting people to the other side. And I think that's what a lot of businesses do. They want to be awesome at Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and they just ignore the fact that they haven't mastered any of them. And so for me, the book covers what I consider five principles that are kind of under three, attention, build, and retain, but how to leverage marketing to get attention, how to leverage that attention to get people to give you their data. Because if you're a restaurant, restaurants survive. You and I know this, everybody does. Restaurants survive on frequent customers, not infrequent ones. And so if you've got people that are willing to come to your restaurant and willing to come back over and over, I mean, find a way to get their information so they can come back over and over and over and over even more. And then on top of that, after you get information, how do you use it? Because that's another problem in the restaurant space is it's kind of a double-edged sword is there's a lot of restaurants that have data that either aren't using it or aren't using it correctly. I had a restaurant the other day, 17,000 plus people in the last year and a half since they turned on online ordering when the pandemic hit have come through their online ordering system. And they have a couple locations. They're not a one, so they have like five locations. And I asked them what they've done with that data. They said, nothing. I'm like, so you're telling me for the last year and a half, you've had 17,000 people's name, phone number, email, and their order history, and you've not done anything to try and activate them again. They said, no, we're scared. We don't want to piss them off. We don't want them to unsubscribe. We don't want them to get mad at us. And at the same time, we don't know what to say. Mm. And... You look at the opposite side of that, and I've got restaurants down the street from me that I give my email address to, and they send me an email every week that is terrible. It's basically trying to get me to come eat food every week. And I always tell people, like, think about if you went home to your wife every night and you talked about how awesome you were, how great. I went to the gym today. I, I bench pressed a bunch. I closed some deals at work. Some lady winked at me at a stoplight. He just talked about you. She would tune you out. But if you go home and talk about her, now, all of a sudden, you have a conversation. So that's the other side of that. If you do have data and you are sending emails, a lot of restaurants, stop sending everybody an email every week about your restaurant and send it to everybody. Look at your database, segment it, you know, new customers, frequent customers, lost customers. 
and then have different conversations that engage them versus just selling to them. Now, there's a few concepts there I want to go into greater detail, but one point that I just want to really emphasize because it ties into what you're saying is one of the sort of most well-renowned names on this whole thing of marketing and social media and everything is Gary Vaynerchuk. And yet, interestingly enough, Gary V gave a tip that transformed my business. Now, I'm not in the restaurant business, but he was speaking to a group of, I believe, pool manufacturers or or some industry like that. It was very industry specific. And he was talking about the power of the telephone. And what I got out of that was I said, you know what? There's a universe of customers that I'm trying to reach. Let's call it 50,000. And I know who they are. So if you think about what Gary's saying, the absolute best tool for me to at least max out to the ultimate of my ability is the telephone. Call them up with a compelling reason to speak with us learn about what they're doing, hopefully get an opportunity to describe what we can do, and then hopefully get the opportunity to meet with them. So you've sort of jump-stepped. So I could do Facebook ads and all this other stuff. It's not the most efficacious tool. So when I say solve for X or really understand what you're solving for, it ties right back into what you're saying, Matt. Your objective is to get repeat customers because that's a pivotal and essential point of business success. You already have existing customers. What are you doing to work with those existing customers when they're right in front of you to do everything in your power that they come back versus going out into the internet through various social media platforms and reaching out to people who you've never heard of? So that's an excellent point. What I'd like to go a little deeper into, if I could, because I I think about this a lot myself, you were talking about the way to communicate with either prospective customers or repeat customers, and the trap of businesses thinking that the best way to do that is to talk about how great they are, rather than creating a dialogue which starts by learning about the prospective or existing customer. What are some strategies or just some ideas you have to facilitate a conversation based on the customer or the prospective customer? Yeah, and uh, back to your, your one point too, you made a great observation that a lot of businesses don't take into account is figure out a way to reach out to people with what works for you. Like you mentioned, a phone number. I mean, a phone call, we call it a VBR. If you have a valid business reason to call somebody, call them. And ideally, the more value you can bring to the conversation, the better. Well, I kind of look at it the same way with regards to whether it's an email or a text message or a Facebook or Instagram post is you've got to have an audience and you've got to have the, the audience kind of separated. So one thing we do that I'll just go back to this Mother's Day example because it's an easy one was back in April. We look at our clients' email lists and text lists and social media and say, okay, we look at communication four times a month. First week of the month, we want to talk to new customers. We've gotten their data and they've told us they've never been. So we want to have a conversation with people that are brand new week one. Week two, we want to target frequent customers, people that told us, I come to your restaurant often. Week three, we want to talk to lost customers, people who said in their survey when we get their data, and that's a key point in the book we talk about when you get somebody's data, ask them one simple question. How often do you come to the restaurant? Because that dictates the communication forward based on being indoctrinated or being reminded or being hugged in a marketing sense. And then the last week of the month, we communicate with everybody, everybody in the database. So go into the frequent customers. You look at month of May, there's a very important holiday called Mother's Day. So we looked at one of our clients and we said, a lot of our clients said, okay, second week of April, we're going to send an email out to our frequent female customers and ask them to do one thing. 
go to Facebook and leave a memory of you and your mom in this Facebook post comment section. We want to hear something special about your mom and why she's near and dear to you. We had 200 plus women go to this post, leave a comment, leave pictures. I'm talking three, four, five sentences. And so when you look at marketing, the goal is to start a conversation. The goal is not to sell something. If you're trying to sell something with your marketing, you've probably got something to hide. This particular restaurant's email didn't even mention coming to the restaurant, didn't have a link to their website. It had a link to a Facebook post. And so when you look at your marketing, think about it from a standpoint that if you have great food and people like your place and they enjoy coming to your restaurant or enjoy eating your food at home, however they get it. So I know in New York, people pick up and go a lot. You don't necessarily have to sell them food. You just need to be present in their attention. One thing Gary Vaynerchuk talks about a lot is that he's an attention day trader. And that all we're trying to do is get in front of people on a consistent basis. Where if you've got a restaurant that one of my guys was talking to today called Agave and Rye here in Kentucky, they have like five locations. Agave and Rye, all I got to do is see their name more consistently and I will eat food there more often. If I see their name 10 times, it might get me to go once. If I see their name 100 times, I might go 10 times. And so when we look at email and text marketing specifically, that Mother's Day promotion, we look at it and say, okay, these are frequent women customers. They already come to the restaurant a lot. If we can just stay in front of them more often and get them to engage more often, they will come more often. And so the easiest way to get them to quit engaging is to send them crappy emails that tell them about the menu and tell them about wine night and tell them because that's what restaurants do is every week they puke on their customers. Where what we look at is for that new customer, you might need to indoctrinate them a little differently. With the frequent customer, they already know a lot of stuff. They don't need directions. They don't need hours. They just need to see your name more often and go, oh my gosh, that's my favorite place to go on Taco Tuesday. Let's go tonight. And so we sent that Mother's Day email out. It went out with an email. It went out with a text message, and it was a Facebook post. Nowhere in any of the text of the email or the text or the Facebook post did it talk about coming to the restaurant. It talked about something that we knew women who were frequent customers would want to talk about their mom for Mother's Day next month. And we hear back from customers all the time. Like You can look in the post comments on a lot of these because we did this across hundreds of restaurants. You can see the comments like, oh my gosh, you know, leave this memory of me and mom. By the way, we're coming next week for dinner now that we saw this. It just gets people to think top of mind. I think that one of the titles or aspects of your book was before, during, and after the pandemic. And so many aspects of the relationship between restaurants and their customers became stronger and more intimate and more meaningful during the pandemic for a variety of reasons. Restaurants were really dependent upon their customers. Customers really missed every aspect of their local restaurant. There was a connection that was made that was probably more meaningful than it ever occurred before. What I think is important, and I certainly have seen this in New York City, the market that we're serving, New York City, Jersey City, that sort of region, is to really build on that relationship so that the marketing communications and really all communications are predicated on that new, more meaningful relationship that's been created. Because I think that's a really important thing that's come out of what we've been through in the past year. I think it creates a lot of opportunities, but I also think it's something that really has to be respected. And I think it's something that independent owners and operators need to be very mindful of because, again, it's very powerful. We're all in business, and I get that. 
but I also think it's important to really respect the relationship. And so, for example, on what you're saying, and I, I think this would be great, asking customers to share something about themselves, their memory, their life is really important. But I just would love to know if you agree with me or disagree with me how the nature of the relationship between the restaurant and their customer was profoundly changed, I would argue, for the better as a result of what we've been through. Oh, I, I think you're completely right for a certain segment of restaurants. I made a post about this back in last June. We had a couple of our clients in March and April that we, not a couple, a lot of them that we consulted with and said, hey, here's what you're not doing right now that will help you much more this summer. Like what? Get on video. Connect with your customers. Let them know that you're not a Wendy's that's owned by a company that owns 200 Wendy's locations. Let them know that you're Brian Picard from Fatty Smokehouse, and it's you, your wife, and your brother that own the restaurant, and these employees behind you are the, the core of your company and how you want to keep them employed and you want to help them survive and you want this restaurant that served the community so many smiles. Get on video and create that relationship because consumers want to do business with people they like and with people they have a relationship with. And that was one thing I, I talked about was, I think it was last late May or June, I drove by a Taco Bell on the way to my office. This isn't by any means picking on these chains, but I realized I had not eaten in like eight weeks at a McDonald's, a Taco Bell, a Burger King, all these restaurants to me that are big chains. Now, granted, I know their franchises are locally owned, but they're typically, you don't have a relationship with the owner at McDonald's. I have a relationship with the owner at many local restaurants. Those are the restaurants I supported during the pandemic. Because I knew that Colonial Cottage, Noel and Matt, I knew who they were. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to have breakfast, it's going to be at Colonial Cottage because I know they need the business and I want to tip their servers. And so for me, and I think that's what you're talking about, that hits the nail on the head, was that consumers kind of looked at their Rolodex of restaurants and said, what places in their mind stuck out? They might not have realized it, but they started to think about, oh, what restaurants are closing down or what are open? And we've seen this a lot with restaurants that if you're a person, like I know a guy that owns eight locations of one restaurant, he's rarely in them. Well, you can tell because there's not a relationship with the customers, his managers, and it's just not a, a restaurant. It's run as a, uh, a numbers game. Whereas I go to other restaurants, like the same exact brand where somebody owns one and you walk in and they know your name and they know your order. And they're like, Hey, you want a Mountain Dew today? Right? Yeah. And so they've got you down and that's the relationship. I think that's what helped restaurants during the pandemic and will help more and more. It made people kind of go back to you know, almost like the locally bought, not made in the USA, but made locally. Like this is a local Brooklyn staple. This husband and wife have owned this restaurant for 30 years and they quit going to the places that they didn't have that relationship with. Also, what I would say to that is during the challenging times when people were really making it a, a point to frequent their local restaurants and the people that they knew. Obviously, restaurants are still facing a number of challenges with staffing, with supply chain, with a multitude of issues. But as things continue to move in a positive direction, I would just really suggest that for those loyal customers that were there, definitely make them feel appreciated when they come in in terms of giving them something on the house because it's a two-way street and we can show our appreciation through actions. Now, one of the challenges, but I think also an opportunity, I would love to know your thoughts on this as well, is repeat customers is huge. Referrals is huge. So one idea that I love, 
particularly at this moment in time, because I'm a big believer, and we discussed this in the last interview, that as long as you're bringing or attempting to bring value to every conversation you have, particularly with a prospective customer, but even with an existing customer, then everything is good. Because, for example, if you're trying to, in in my industry, if I'm trying to uh, meet with a new restaurant or hotel or someone to do business with. I like to share information about what's going on in the market or share insights into something so that even if we don't wind up doing business, they'll say, look, at least I got value from giving that person or that company my time. So what do you think about ideas that try to incentivize existing customers to be ambassadors for your brand? On the one hand, it can look a little transactional, but based on the relationships that have been created, maybe it doesn't look transactional, and maybe that's a a valuable tool to be at least explored. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, brand ambassadors are what is what marketing's all about, and that's what social media. I mean, that's the root of Facebook. Is you're scrolling through, and a lot of times you see a post from a business because a friend of yours follows that brand. You see that your friend follows that brand and left a good review there. It's the transfer of trust. And that's the ultimate brand ambassador. And so that's one of the things I've always told my clients. If you can find a way to get people to do check-in contests, do selfie contests. We ran a thing in the last week, I guess it was the second week of August, so two weeks ago, telling, we had, I think, probably 400 restaurants probably ran this for, through our company. And it was a selfie contest. And the whole concept of it was getting people to take a selfie at the restaurant with their bestie next time they were in for a meal. And the concept of it was that's the ultimate brand ambassador because if I see my buddy and his wife at XYZ restaurant, like I saw the other day, friend of mine, Casey, and his wife went to 3rd in Maine. And I've been thinking about going there. I had never been there before. And I see that he posts a picture on there, him and his wife, date night, best steak in town. Guess where I'm going? So that's an incentive. Like there's a lot of ways you can do it. And I don't think it's corny at all, whether you're bribing people to do it. Hey, Take a selfie, show it, show your server, get your dessert for free. Because my dad calls it the transfer of trust. It's a referral. Anytime I hired an interior designer, we when we bought this building back in April and we moved into it for our company headquarters, and my dad said, hey, I put on Facebook, I'm looking for an interior designer to do this, this, and this. And my dad called me and said, I've got somebody for you. Here's your name and number. I didn't call anybody else. It was my dad. It was a referral. It was the best a person could get. I didn't check references. I called her up. She came in. I gave her a check. She did her job. And so that's what the world's built on is referrals. And so I think that's a huge element of getting those people that already know, like, and trust you, that love and trust your brand, that you know go across a lot of a lot of thresholds to do business with you. They're the ones that are going to bring other people to you. That's one thing I think a lot of people take for granted. I mean, think about the effort that people go to to get to most restaurants. It's not like they walk out their front door in most places. And they take one step and they're in your restaurant. A lot of people take an effort, whether you're in New York getting on a subway or taking an Uber or getting in a cab, whether you're where I'm at, you leave and you go and drive 20 minutes to go to lunch, go through 100 stoplights, you probably passed 15 or 20 places. What made you go past those 15 or 20 places to that next place? It's because there's an enjoyment factor there. And those are the people you want to tell the world about your product. 100%. And one of the things that I like about your approach to marketing is even though you have tons of high-level insight and high-level information, you always bring it back to stuff that's actionable and impactful. And as I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about it, and I've even taken down a few notes here, it would seem to me that 
the steps that restaurants can start taking immediately is to create some internal organizational system, and it can be very simple, where they can keep track of information, like who comes in and who comes out. Simply categorize them, as you said, because I think that's so important, which we can get into. Is this a new customer? Is this a first-time customer? Is this a long-time regular? And then finally, just have some sort of system in place where you have an organized way to reach out to them. Just start with that, and if you make the most out of that type of a dynamic, you're going to be blown away by the results. But I think that those are essential foundational steps. What do you think? Oh, 100% agree. Because they're not being, you know, most restaurants, even the most intelligent, sophisticated, some of them have apps and some of them do stuff. But I honestly don't see that many restaurants doing this at scale, regardless of what kind that they're doing. And I think it's a tremendous opportunity being left on the table. What's funny, and I'm not saying this to toot our own horns, but we're one of the few companies in the country doing it. I've talked to, I've got a handful of friends and very high connections at very big restaurant chains. One of them spends $28,000 a month on an app and loyalty program through a very big company that just got bought out for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I was talking to him recently about it and he laughed and he's like, Matt, we don't use any of it. What do you mean? He's like, it's too tough. We get in there and like, we would have to have five full-time people. This is a big chain to actually go through and take action on everything we have in there. And I'm like, well, why are you doing it? Like, well, I don't know. People do things for reasons, who knows, kind of unknown. But the biggest thing I see is that people either aren't using digital marketing, email, text messaging, Facebook Messenger, Facebook and Instagram, or they're using it incorrectly. And it's not hard to do correctly. Like you said, new customer, I call them three categories, new, frequent, lost. That if somebody's a brand new customer, they need to be indoctrinated differently, talked to differently. You know, you got to tell them a lot more about your business, your menu, how to order from you, you, you have ordering online, different things of that nature. If they're a, a frequent customer, that they just need a high five. If they're a lost customer, why are they lost? Why'd they quit coming? There was it a service issue? Was it that they moved? Was it just because of the pandemic that their routine got changed? Think of how many, I, I like this example because it's it's was one of mine. Think of how many Taco Tuesdays got disrupted because people weren't going downtown in certain places anymore. I've got a friend of mine who's got a restaurant in downtown Cincinnati that was Taco Tuesday was our jam there. Well, 90% of the people that worked in downtown for a year didn't go downtown for a year. Where did their Taco Tuesday end up? And that restaurant struggled mightily. And so if they had maybe those people's information that came on Taco Tuesday and they knew that they were frequent. They could have sent emails and texts out and did some creative stuff to get people to go, oh my gosh, I forgot about that place. Let's go down there this week. You make such an important point. I just want to interject at this moment real quick, which is the time to be doing this sort of internal housekeeping and organization is when things are rocking and busy. And I know restaurants are overwhelmed right now dealing with all of the ramp up and demand, the staffing, all the aforementioned issues I mentioned earlier. But really the time to be accumulating this data, organizing it and using it is when everything is booming. Because like you just said, if you don't do it then, then when you really need it, you might not have it in a position to be utilized. And and that's what you want to avoid. And I'm sorry for interrupting, but it was such an important point. You're exactly right. I can't tell you how many, how many restaurants we talk to. Hey, I, we're going to give you a call a couple months after we open. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't hire us. That's fine. Let me coach you on something you need to do the first couple months. Well, what do you mean? 
you're going to have more people walk through your doors in the next 60 days than you ever will again in that period of time. It's just what happens in the restaurant business. Take that advantage of that and do whatever you have to do. Beg, barter, plead, whatever you have to do to get every one of those people to give you their name, phone number, and email. Because you're going to have the most people walk through. I mean, we see all the time. We see restaurants that will open up and they're doing $50,000 weeks. And then three months later, they're doing $15,000 weeks. The honeymoon has ended. That's when they come knocking. I need help. I'm like, what did you do the last 90 days? People always tell me, oh, I'm too busy. I'm like, no, you're not. I wasn't too busy in college to get my wife's phone number. I got her phone number. That's how we eventually dated. And we dated, got married, and had kids. It's the same thing. It's essential. It's an essential thing. And I would say something else. One of the other sort of behaviors that really became accelerated uh, as a result of the pandemic, which can work to a restaurant's advantage and really ties into the to the skills and disciplines that you're talking about, is the utilization of takeout. And you have to understand that you might have a phenomenal restaurant that people really enjoyed going to, but for whatever reason, it's not convenient for them to go there all the time, or they might even be introverts and don't want to go out all the time. They were meeting friends there, but they're the type of people that like to stay home. They loved your cuisine. They'd love to order it up. They'd love to engage with you in that way. So you have to think about that as well when you're dealing with people. Don't forget to mention the various ways that they can interact with you because a lot of people are so happy to get back out there and do in-person dining. And I think that that's a trend that's going to accelerate and is the biggest part of it. But the introverts or the people that are at home, they've now become so much more accustomed to utilizing the takeout options or, or whatever. You want to market to that as well because it's a tremendous opportunity. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. I'm, I can't tell you the number of businesses I know that before March of last year, 2020, 99.9% of their business came from the good old-fashioned people walking in, handing them credit card or cash and getting food. I now know restaurants now that you can't do that with. They don't do it anymore. That you have to go to their website or their app and order your food, walk in, grab it off a little counter and go on your way. And I've got plenty of restaurants I know of that have now gotten people to order differently. I mean, me, I ordered a a smoothie today from a place called Better Blend in Florence, Kentucky. A year and a half ago, I would walk into Better Blend, wait in line, order my smoothie, wait five minutes, get it, leave. Well, when the pandemic hit, like, oh crap, we better activate this online ordering thing. They had never done it. Now, today I'm in my office. I hop on the app. I order my smoothie. I drive down there. I walk in. They hand it to me. I leave. And so people are ordering differently now. They're consuming your food differently. It kind of started as a joke with us during the pandemic. Me, my wife, and kids would go to Dairy Queen and eat in the car because they didn't have dining anymore. So we're in our car eating blizzards and cheeseburgers and French fries and Cokes. And about a month ago, we went there and we got blizzards. They have dine-in now, but we went and ate in the car. Yeah, <laughs> It was just like what we had been doing. So, I mean, people's habits have changed. People's ways they consume things have been changed, how they buy things. You've got to adapt to that. Otherwise, you're going to go by the wayside. And you know, there's something in the book I put in there, the graphic that says, hope and pray versus aim and expect. Hope and pray marketing is what most businesses do. They hope that Matt Plapp had a good experience and they pray that he remembers them next time he goes to eat lunch again. Aim and expect is when you can pull up your database and say, okay, I want to talk to the women today, the men today, the lost customers, the frequent, my lunch people, my dinner people my Monday customers, my Tuesday customers. And you can aim at them a specific message and expect a response. 
And it's not hard when you collect the data and you don't abuse it and you use it correctly. You know, that's a great point. And, you know, I appreciate your time. And and something that I just want to say is I get a lot of different emails and people that reach out to me that are affiliated or or have stuff to do with the restaurant industry. And Matt and I became aware of one another by chance. But one thing that became so clear to me during this pandemic is that restaurateurs were the most intense and focused and resilient entrepreneurs of anybody, maybe in America. What I saw in being a part of this industry really humbled me. And so I would encourage everybody to really seek out this book and read it because restaurateurs are kick-ass business people. And it's not just, you know, a lot of times people view it as Rick from Casablanca and this romantic, easygoing, let's hang out at night industry, but it's a very challenging business. And as I said before, nobody had to grind harder than restaurateurs during the pandemic. And the tools and strategies that we've discussed and that you go into detail with in your book will absolutely drive more sales for restaurants. And I think now is the time for people to at least be aware of them and understand it's not complicated. You don't have to be a tech person. I mean, like I was just saying to you, Matt, I would say, yeah, we get a lot of business through our SEO, driving people to our website, and tech is extremely important. But simplicity works too. Consistency works too. An executable strategy is better than a brilliant person with no strategy, and which is why I love that analogy that you gave at the end or that PowerPoint of aim and expect. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. I think, God willing, we're entering into a a really exciting time for this industry, and I want everybody that powered through this and grinded through it to make the most of it, and education is so important when you're a business leader. You know, with that, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me Again, tell us the title of the book. Tell us where people can get it and where people can find you. Yeah, for sure. And to piggyback on what you said, you're right. The restaurateurs, one of the hardest working unsung heroes in this country that people didn't realize. And I won't point out specific industries, but I've got plenty of people I know in, in different industries during the last 18 months that this was cruise control. Like, I can't tell you the number of people I know in my business. They're like getting pictures of them on, oh, first time I've traveled in 18 months because they took cruise control, sat at home, did Zoom in their entire company and didn't really hustle because they kind of took it as an opportunity to kind of shift how they did things. Restaurants didn't have that option. I mean, not only were they getting crushed because they couldn't pay their bills and couldn't get revenue, but then their employees weren't coming to work because they didn't have to. And the boom kind of opens back up and they have less people. I mean, I've got friends of mine in the restaurant business that how they've done the last 18 months is beyond. I thought I hustled. Like, I feel like I'm, I don't work at all when I watch them do what they do. 100%. So the book, and appreciate your kind words. Uh, it's restaurant marketing that works. The best place is Amazon. I've got it right now for a few weeks for $6.99 on there just as an incentive. Then it'll go back up to, I think, 12 to 13 bucks. Then it'll go up to 25 after a couple weeks of that. But it's a restaurant marketing that works. It's on Amazon. I ask if you read it. It's a couple hour read. I write short books, my third book. They're all about the same size. I write them so that I can get on a plane, fly to Florida and read the book because I love reading, but I hate the fact that most of my favorite books, it takes me a month to finish. This one's about a two hour read. And then leave a review. If you enjoyed it or if you didn't enjoy it, leave an honest review on Amazon. Reviews help us out and help people find out about it. If you want to connect with me, mattplapp.com is my website for myself. Email is matt at mattplapp.com. My cell phone number is 859-743-2408. I'm always up for a 
text message or phone call if somebody has a quick uh, question or idea. And Matt is one of those people that really means that this was a great interview to start up our podcast again. I've got a lot of phenomenal content coming. I'm going to be on some other podcasts as I was before, and I'll keep everybody posted on that. But again, just to wrap it up, Matt, thank you very much for your time. Always enjoy speaking with you. Always enjoy the opportunity to learn. And um, just very much excited to get back at it. And always a pleasure speaking with you, man. Cool. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity and good luck up in New York. I look forward to getting out there and, and seeing you soon. Sounds great. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net. <laughs>